Hello and welcome to Transformational Insights Demystified Podcast. I am your host, Fumilola Asa, a system thinker and a transformational insights translator. On this podcast, I share transformational insights in practical ways that enables you to make the step change towards becoming better versions of yourself and acing your personal development, relationship, spiritual, and business goals. So, let's talk about your life as a system. Are you able to recognize the various dimensions of your life? Are you able to understand the critical connections and interactions between the various dimensions of your life that affects the trajectory and behavior of your life over time? Do you understand your context? Are you able to make informed trade-off decisions when it comes to different aspects of your life? I address these questions and many others in this episode that is titled The Life System Demystified Practical System Thinking Applied to Life Are you excited? Let's dive in! Hello, welcome, welcome. You're on to the concluding section of the Life System Demystified episode. Originally recorded as a single episode to explore 10 principles applicable to the life system in four parts. I decided to split it up into two sections. In section one, we explored five principles in two parts. And now in this concluding section, we will be discussing the remaining two parts, part three and four, to cover five more principles. So if you haven't listened to section one, why don't you pause and head over to section one of this episode and listen to the five grounding principles before you dive in into this concluding part. If you already have listened to the first section, well, you are welcome. I present to you the concluding part. Let's explore. Now, moving on to part three, I talk about two additional principles. Again, you can take a pause from time to time and take the key questions I ask in each part so that you can, you know, address what is important and relevant for you as a life system. And so principle six, I talk about the principle of the structured enabled system functionality. The how enabled what. And so the function delivered by the system is largely dependent on the arrangements and or connections of the components of the system. As such, changing the functionality of a system sometimes only requires the rearrangement of existing parts to support this new function. Okay, what does that mean for life? I'll give myself as an example. Sometimes, some of the skills and the learnings and the experiences that I've had, I've had them, I've grown them over time. But in the last couple of years, I've suddenly, you know, I've gone more public with it, right? And so some people look at me and like, okay, where have you been? Who, who are you? You know, how did you suddenly appear on the radar? And that was enabled by a restructuring of certain components of my life, driven by my vision to enable, you know, my interface, you know, the communication that I have 
hits a different target audience than it was in the past. And so sometimes all you need to do is some rearrangement. You don't have to go redesign your system. And this comes from a deep understanding of who you are. What are my dimensions? What do I bring to the table? How is this value crossing over to the stakeholders? And if that value is not crossing over based on maybe the interfaces that you have, as I talked about in the previous example, then maybe there's a need to you know, change the structure. And so this principle really talks about the structures within your system that ensure that you can operationalize your strategy. You know, often people have lofty ideas, they have great goals, but sometimes the way in which that they have structured their time, you know, their relationships does not enable them to deliver or operationalize this high level strategy. And so I I have a practical example from like a fan that we had in the house. And so for, for weeks, this fan would, after, you know, when we bought it and set it up, it would make this really loud noise and, you know. Um, we thought it was faulty and we're going to throw it away. And one day, you know, my sibling had said, you know, look at this fan. I think the blade is turned inside out. And then we said, okay, let's try it. And then we turned the blade correctly. And all of a sudden, a fan that was ineffective, it was a nuisance because it was making so much noise and it wasn't blowing air. Suddenly started to blow air effectively and was became like the best fan in the house and so it went from something that was considered a factory error or a reject to what was like become the cornerstone in quote and so this all that the fan needed to be what it was going to be was already inside of the fan but it was structured differently so think about that take a pause and think about your life You might look at yourself and think, oh, what value am I bringing to the table? I don't have anything inside of me. If you take out the time and look at all the other things that we've talked about, all your life dimensions, all your experiences, all your journeys to date, the unique value system that you bring and realize that just maybe it's the structure or the way that you have arranged yourself that is not making you create the impact that would, you know, be effective to your target audience or to to your larger stakeholders, your family, you know, your financial goals. You need to think about the structures to ensure that when you move things around, you're able to deliver the value. So the answers you're looking for most times are inside of you, not outside. Now you might need outside help through a coach or a mentor to help you redesign or look inwards a bit better. But then more often than not, just a slight rearrangement might help. Now, the flip side of that is sometimes if you do a, an, a rearrangement of certain things in your life, relocate, change location, change a job without really thinking about the interactions that are impacted by that change, you might be creating um, a new emergence or you might be unintentionally you know, becoming suboptimal because you made a change without thinking about the reaction, the interaction. So structure is critical for your what. The how is critical for your what. While your what should drive your how, your how can also impact your what. So think about your life. Think about the decisions that you made and suddenly you you felt like your life took a nosedive. Maybe that's the key to restructuring your life system and to, to, to for better impact. So I'll move on quickly to principle seven. 
it talks about unanticipated emergence and very closely linked to what we just talked about. As I was ending, I talked about sometimes you, you do some things and then start to realize that things are happening that you did not anticipate. And so this kind of talks about the behavior of a system over time. And so the principle talks about the interactions within a system and the external interactions with the system may, in addition to the intended functionality of that system, yield unexpected functions and performance characteristics, and they are often driven by second-order effects and the incentive structure design. And so, I watched a movie about the artificial intelligence um, a machine that was created that beats a natural player at the goal game. And those who designed the system, because they had designed certain incentives into the, the system, they realized that the system was doing things that they did not design it to do because there was a dynamic interface. The system was making decisions on its own and it was able to beat a human player by making a move that a human being would not have made. And so what does that mean to us? You know, a great decision at the instance, may start to take on, you know, I'm like, this decision was great when I, when I did this. When I put my child in the school, it was great. But what you didn't factor in was all the other dynamic interfaces, the nature of the kind of children that are in the school, the exposure the child gets, the technological impact, the, you know, what, whatever else, the societal context. And you start to see that, you know, this great decision starts to take on certain imagined behaviors. And so your child starts to use certain words at home and you're wondering, where did that come from? Again, an unanticipated emergence in addition to your original intent. You know, a good example that I've seen of this was of a governance decision that was made once where, you know, they in order to incentivize a certain, you know, um, country to eliminate a problem, you then created a bigger problem. If you want to know all about that, please visit my blog so that I don't make this podcast longer than it really does need to be. And so while it's impossible to know all the outcomes or potential interfaces, a clear understanding of the risk that is left in your design, in your life, as I make this decision, what are the risks that are left in it, would help you to know to know when to trigger a decision to revisit what you have made. You know, the decisions that you had made in the past. Because sometimes it's great in the instance, but due to dynamic interactions, that decision starts to take a different direction, whether for the positive or for the negative. So imagined behaviors are not always negative. Sometimes you make friends and you realize that the knock-on relationship from that friend, you know, opens you up to opportunities that you did not even anticipate. And you're like, oh, wow, this is a great emergent, you know, behavior, even though it was not originally designed. So please put on the lens of, unanticipated, not bad, but you must design for it. So what are the dynamic interfaces in your life that may facilitate that is very important. So if we conclude part three, the question is, you know, do the arrangements of the components in your life system enable the functionality that you are intending? Are there opportunities to rearrange those components to address suboptimal performance in some aspects of the system? I talked about how your incentive structure drives emergent, you know, behaviors. What's my incentive structure? What have I designed into my life to say, oh, this is what value means to me. And how might that be affecting the way in which my life is, you know, is, is, is trending as a result of other interfaces? You know, what sort of behavior is my incentive structure likely to drive over time? You know, there are some people that focus on, oh, let's get results by all means. Believe me, that has knock-on effects that you might not like in terms of the behavior that it incentivizes. 
You know, if you think about the how, you know, how robust are my systems assumptions? Do I know the points where I need to trigger a revisit of the decisions that I've made? One thing that helps you is the feedback loop, your ability to get feedback from the decisions. So what have I put in place to say, how is this my life decision going? Do I have checkpoints where I stop and look at my life and say, how am I behaving? How is this going? Am I taking stock? You know, all of that is very important. If you think about the last two principles I just shared in part three. All right. So down to the last part of this conversation, I shared the last three principles. So principle eight talks about the principle of the system architectural uniqueness. It talks about, you know, in designing a system, it's important that there's appropriate balance between not reinventing the wheel. So, you know, leveraging standard designs and the unique creativity of addressing the new combinations of customer needs and scenarios. And so often in life, you know, we're tempted to just take uh, copy and paste, you know, take something that somebody else has done and just use it for our own uh, our own scenario. And then you also ask me for me, wouldn't be a wa- wouldn't it be a waste of time if I'm repeating what somebody else has done before? And that's why it's a delicate balance. Every system has unique combination of stakeholders and trade-offs. And so you must always ensure that while you leverage, you know, existing structures, you must make sure that you only do it to the extent that it does not restrict your ability to meet the needs of your dynamic stakeholder requirements. Because there might be changes. One child may be different from the second child. And so how you have raised up that first child, you may need to revisit that when you look at the second child because that dynamic interface means that the new behaviors and characteristics of the second child may facilitate a revisit of your strategies. And so by time, financial decisions, you know, it might be great in this context, but maybe the bigger underlying context of the economy might make such a decision bad or maybe a bit riskier compared to the last time you made that decision. And so for every point in time, you you should save energy or save resources or synergize by building on past experiences, but at the same time, always recognize the context of today, your new stakeholders, the, the, the change in the stakeholder needs to ensure that your system is robust. Because we said that a good system is only effective if it meets the needs of the intended stakeholders. And so if you are not able to meet your stakeholder needs, then that system is has failed. So the balance must be ensured. And so in choosing between uniqueness versus standardization, the context is a key driver. Context, context, context is one of my favorite words because it drives the unique scenarios that, you know, define the characteristics of your system. And so let's think about what that context means in principle nine. So principle nine talks about the principle of contextual system designs. And it says that the larger system, the larger environment or context in which a system fits, drives the value of the system and drives the order or criticality of the decisions to be made in a system to ensure that you have an optimal system. And so it's, the context is the larger picture in which that system operates. It's the concept of a, a, um, a chair in a room, a room in a house, a house on the street, a street you know, in a locale. 
every of this factor have an influence. So the chair that I would design to use in my room in a in a very humid environment would be different from one that somebody will use where you know there's no concern about humidity. You know, a chair that is designed for a park is different from one that is designed for single use. So context is critical. You know, a design that checks all the boxes for one context might fail miserably in another context. And so as you think about your life context, and it, it, this is very critical because there's this wave of globalization and people are moving from one nation to another, walking, moving from one industry to another, and suddenly they're shocked because they haven't factored the context of this new situation that they're transiting into. And so in analyzing, you know, the design of your relationship, your life, your financial, your overall life system, you must understand the context because it's going to impact the sequence of decisions that must be made. For example, if you have a relationship that is in the context of a toxic larger society, so the environment is so toxic, you know, like how sometimes we're raising children in toxic environments, then you know that you need to design in an extra layer of coating to ensure that, you know, that toxicity does not impact your system, just like how somebody will put in extra layer of paint in certain environments. So context, context, context is key to drive the decisions that you need to make for your life system. You know, Kenneth Norland is, is credited with a quote that says, for me, context is key because from that comes the understanding of everything. And so the iceberg model is one tool that's very important for analyzing your context. You know, it, it talks about how the things that you see, you know, are underlined by, you know, the patterns, the trends, the structures, and ultimately the mental models. And so you must always not take things at face value. But as you think about that decision, whether or not it's right or wrong, you need to think about your context. And so the question is, what's your life context? Has that context changed over time? How is your context impacting your um, system behavior over time? There are certain people that have behavioral issues as a result of the context in which they were raised. And so context is super critical. If you must analyze your life system, one, to get to the root of certain issues. And as you design and optimize your choices in life, you must always think about context. So as every time your context change, you need to double check. Are my decisions still appropriate for this context? Now, the last principle, you know, talks about optimality versus robustness. Now, we've realized that you have multiple stakeholders. You have a dynamic context. You have things that are changing. And so the question is, sometimes your system is going to have to work in multiple scenarios. And so there's always that need to ask certain questions, you know, around how robust or optimal is my system. And so the, question, the, 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 the principle says, where possible, a good system design should enable functionality in a changing needs or evolving needs environment. However, a robust design that is adaptable to a wide range of scenarios may require some performance trade-offs. And so finding the right balance between robustness, which is an adaptability to change, and optimality for a single scenario, which is like best performance for a single rate, scenario is critical and so today i want to make the decisions that are best for me today but the best decision for me today might be suboptimal for my one week later self or even the two year later self and so as you think about that the question is what do you invest in 
is it in being robust or in being optimal? Because the truth about it is you need to take certain trade-offs. You might take a slightly suboptimal decision for a single context to enable a robust, you know, system for a wide range of, you know, scenarios you know the flexibility that robustness offers you know requires that trade-off and so it's a case of taking one for the team and so it's important that you establish what range am i looking at here leveraging all the principles that we have talked about to this point and so think about your personal development instance the choice of your job roles you know the industry adventures that you make the development choices your trainings your certifications you know may require trade-offs there's some that might sound great today, but when you think about your bigger life context, you're like, no, I don't. I, I, sh- I should delay this decision, delayed gratification, you know, to be to ensure that the certification I have is robust for, for example, a wide range of industries, and I'm not restricted by the choices that I've made in one industry. If truly my intent is to be flexible and adaptable over a wide range of industries which is like the case today right the world is changing it's dynamic so many changes and so robustness is very important and so i've talked about 10 principles in four parts and so if we bring together these four parts the fourth part building on the you know the previous seven principles that we talked about you know do you understand the characteristics required for your life system Do you understand the unique needs of the stakeholders of your system? Do you recognize what might be a standard base, you know, to build off of, you know, when you think about the copying from somebody versus, you know, making a unique system? Do you understand the next higher level context of your life system? Do you know how that context impacts the priority of decision making for your system design? So what are the most critical performance indicators of your system for your context? If you put a car on a slippery road, at that point, the ability of your tires to have traction might be the most important thing than your AC working. So do you understand the criticality driven by your context? How robust is your system designed for the range of scenarios, your evolving customer base and your customer needs? The answers that you have, you know, to this last part, would drive, you know, the ability of your life system to adapt through the range of this evolving, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous VUCA world in which we find ourselves. And so that has been a lot. I've talked through 10 principles using life examples. And so in closing, I would say to optimize your life system, improve the narrative of your life, or fix broken ones, you must understand the system the system called life you must break it down, fix it together, look at interactions, and understand the principles that are at play. I've attempted to use, you know, practical examples to share a business concept, you know, system thinking, to apply, which is applicable to your life. And so, but for you to truly be able to apply it to your context, you must operationalize this. You must take away some of the examples I've used, the technical jargons, and really look about at how does this apply to my life system. Peel back the onions. You may be surprised at what you find in your life system. Remember I said earlier, often the things that we need are already inside of us. We're looking for solutions outside, but if we understand the interactions of our life systems, we will make decisions, better decisions that will transform our lives and result in a step change in performance. As you make this exploration, I'm happy to engage with you um, on my social media handle, as you would hear in the outro. But until then, 
I'm wishing you a transformational journey and exploration ahead. I look forward to hearing your wins. So you have been listening to Transformational Insights Demystified Podcast with Fumilola Asa. To stay plugged into these insightful conversations, remember to subscribe to this podcast so that you get notified as more engaging and insightful contents become available. Also, visit my website at www.fumilolaasa.com to engage with my blog and interact with other insightful contents on there. Lastly, you can follow me on social media on LinkedIn at Fumilola Asa, on Instagram at Fumi Asa, and on Twitter at Fumilola Asa. I look forward to connecting with you. Catch you in the next episode.